Well, welcome to the Hills. I know people are watching all over the world right now. South Lake and West Fort Worth campus, shout out to you. Wherever you are, so thankful that you have decided to spend part of your Christmas season with us. And I want to invite you to spend more if it's possible. So every year, I cannot wait for our Christmas Eve services. Well, this year, we're going to have Christmas Eve Eve services, or as two precious young women told me, Christmas Adam services, because Adam came before Eve. So on Monday at North Richmond Hills and West Fort Worth campus, we're going to have a Christmas Adam service at 5 o'clock. Then on Tuesday, Christmas Eve, we'll have services at every campus at 3 and 5 o'clock. It's one of my favorite events of the entire year. I hope you'll come and bring a friend. I can't wait. And that just lets me know that Christmas has always been a season for me of having difficulty waiting. When I was a boy, I would every year make a calendar for Christmas, a homemade calendar, so I could mark off the days until Christmas. I would tack it to the wall in my closet. And you know, we don't do that on any other holiday, do we? We never say, it's just 12 days until Mother's Day. It's just six days until July the 4th. But we count the days until Christmas. And as a youth, Christmas taught me waiting is hard. A woman named Kathy Ream tells a story being in a grocery store at Christmas time with her three-year-old daughter, Avery. And Kathy spotted a coloring book that she thought would make a neat stocking stuffer for Avery. So she tried to slip it under the groceries, but Avery knew something was up and she wouldn't let up. Mama, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? So finally she pulled it out and said, honey, I was going to give this to you on Christmas Day. And her heart melted when three-year-old Avery said, Mama, I have so many presents under the tree. I don't need this for Christmas Day. And then she grabbed it and said, I need it right now. <laughs> Isn't it true that Christmas reminds us it's hard to wait? The kids hate waiting for Santa. Adults hate waiting in the line at the mall. And everybody hates waiting in the line at the mall to see Santa. But here's the thing. Waiting is a critical part of our relationship with God. Because the Bible says, to please God, we must live by faith. Okay, now what is faith? Faith is living well in that space between a promise made and a promise kept. If a promise hasn't been made, there's nothing to believe. If the promise has been kept, you're not walking by faith. Now you're walking by sight. Faith is living in the space between when a promise has been made, but you're waiting for it to be fulfilled. Now, what we're going to do today is we are going to learn from two expert waiters. We're going to add two more extras to our nativity. Their names are Simeon and Anna. And they belong in the nativity. They were with the Christ child long before the wise men. And they know something about waiting because they had been doing it for a long time. Let me show you what I mean. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So they walk in, like every Jewish couple does, on the eighth day to circumcise the baby and present him to the Lord. And this old guy just walks up and grabs the baby and starts singing. If that's not weird, a little bit later, says Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Now, that may seem weird, but actually the Bible is full of stories of people who needed to add some extra weight. The redemption story starts with God calling a childless man named Abraham, saying, leave your country, leave your family, and I'll give you a son. It was years between the day the promise was made and the day it was actually kept. Joseph has dreams of his brothers bowing down and submitting to his rulership. But it was years and some very tough times before that promise was kept. David was anointed to be king of Israel. But it was years and some tough times running from Saul and hiding out in caves before he was ever on the throne. Here's the thing. When God gives a promise... He very rarely gives a timeline of when he intends to keep that promise. And here's what happens. In the space between promise made and promise kept, life happens. And life can be tough. And it can diminish faith and increase despair. See, life reminds us that hope is hard. Think about these two. The promise of a coming Messiah to rescue Israel is hundreds of years old. On top of that, they are living in a land occupied by a cruel foreign empire, taxing them into poverty. Their religious leadership is corrupt. They have not heard a prophetic voice in several hundred years. And there is no indication things are ever going to get better. But these two old people are still holding on to the promise of God. A promise made that looks to some like it's never going to get kept. They didn't let the hard erode their hope. You know, by the way, that's one of the things I love about old saints. Now, every pastor obsesses about how can our church reach more young people. 
like her. Hey, sweetheart. We all want to reach more young people. We really do. But I don't want to ever go to a church that doesn't have any old people. Because we need old people. We need their testimony of the years and the hardships they've gone through. And they're still holding on to the promise of God. We need the optimism of old people. I heard about these eight old guys that are sharing coffee together. And one of them says, my arms have gotten so weak I can hardly lift this cup of coffee. Next one said, my cataracts are so bad I can't even see my cup of coffee. The next one said, my hands are so crippled I have trouble writing my name. The next one said, what would you say? Speak up. I can't hear you. The next one said, I can't turn my head to talk to you because my arthritis in my neck is so bad. And the next one said, my blood pressure pills make me dizzy. Next one said, I guess that's just the price we pay for getting old. And the last one said, hey, I think we should count our blessings. Thank God we can still drive. Don't you love the perspective of the older saint? Simeon and Anna didn't allow life to make them jaded or cynical. Instead, they added a little extra to their weight. Did you notice the adverbs? It says, he eagerly waited. And she went and spoke to all that were waiting expectantly. See, so here's the thing. In the Bible, waiting is not passive. Waiting is an active reality. There's a way to do it right. Because here's the thing. Waiting is not an if. It's a how. Life is going to make you wait. You're there right now. You're waiting for the lab results. You're waiting to find out if the cancer is going to go in remission. You're waiting for a job or a better job. You're waiting for a child to come home. You're waiting to see if you can have a child. Can I be blunt? We're all waiting to die. I got some good news. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back. The Bible talks about that in Titus 2. God's grace can save everyone because it has come. And he's talking about Lord Jesus. But then the very next verse We wait for our great hope and the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we all wait. We're doing the ultimate wait. The wait between when Jesus came and the wait for him to come again. And Simeon and Anna are going to teach us how to wait well. And here's the first thing they teach us. That you need to keep hope alive by meeting regularly with other waiters. See, the text makes it clear. Simeon and Anna were not occasional church goers. I mean, the temple was their second home. And Joseph and Mary are the same way. Eight days, we're taking the baby to the temple. Jesus is 12 years old. It's time for the festival. We're walking all the way down to Jerusalem. We do it every year. The Bible says Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. Where did he learn that custom? His parents taught him. When the people of faith gather, we're going to be there. Because hope cannot survive on a personal relationship with Jesus. 
Now, I want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But the Bible never says all you need is a personal relationship with Jesus. You need a lot more than that to keep hope alive. What hope needs to be sustained is the practice of gathering regularly with other saints so that we can recall God's track record of faithfulness. Uh, Look at this verse with me from Hebrews 10. Let us hold firmly to the hope we've confessed because we can trust God to do what he promised. Now, hear what he said? God's going to keep his promise. Hold on to hope. How do you do that? Keep reading. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing. But you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. What do you do? You get together whenever the church meets. Because getting together keeps hope alive. If you're new to our church, you notice that every time we gather, we share in something we call communion. You know why we do that? Jesus said to. You know what he said? Do this until I come back. Sharing that moment together is a way to remember Jesus is going to keep his promise. And so we meet together. And when we're together, we have the chance to be with especially some older saints who can inspire us to hang on to hope. Malcolm Muggeridge was a well-known writer from England. He was a Marxist. He believed that communism was the future. He went to Russia to interview people in the Kremlin and to write stories. And he was there on Easter weekend. He went to a Russian Orthodox church and the clergyman stood up and said, Christ is risen. And the whole church shouted back, He is risen indeed. And Muggeridge writes, in that moment, I can't explain that something happened and I knew. Stalin was wrong, and these people are right. And he went on to become a strong follower of Christ and a writer about why others should be as well. Powerful things happen when you make going to church a regular part of your life. And let's be honest, some of you, it's kind of spotty. And a great resolution for you for a new year is I'm going to get back to being faithful in meeting with other waiters. And the text tells us you're never too young to start going to church. And you're never too old that you should stop. Another thing you can do to keep hope alive. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because Simeon was a man with an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him. It says that day the Spirit led him to the temple. See, you don't see Jesus. You don't meet Jesus apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And Simeon was comfortable being filled by the Holy Spirit. And that's one reason why his hope tank stayed filled as well. Romans 5, 5. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When you let the Holy Spirit fill you, you will become sure of God's love. That will keep your hope alive. And by the way, that's another reason why we need to meet regularly. Because there are Spirit-filled people in this place who can speak to us and encourage us in our hope. Here's the thing. 
They might seem like weirdos. I said, I don't want to go to a church that doesn't have any old people. I don't want to go to a church that doesn't have any weirdos. And I say that because what I've learned is that the people that are often seem like weirdos are just simply people that have a more intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit than I have. Now think about it, ladies. You're at baby dedication. Some old man comes up, grabs your baby, starts dancing, saying, now I can die, now I can die. That's weird. Can you say pepper spray? And Anna comes across as some crazy Pentecostal lady with her tambourine. She won't even go home. She sleeps at church. That's weird. And I've learned that God throughout history has spoken to his people through the people that seem weird. Because they're full of the Holy Spirit. So um, the first talk I ever remember giving formally about Jesus was when I was in about seventh grade. Our little church had one Sunday a month where we would go down the street and do a devotional for a nursing home. And my dad drew the straw that particular Sunday and took me with him and said, you're talking. So I talked to about 20 old people in wheelchairs, half of them asleep, for five to six minutes. I'm sure it was terrible. And when I was through, this old woman motioned to me. And she said, are you going to seminary? I did not know what that word meant. And then she pointed at me and said, God's call is on you to be a preacher. Now, I had told other people that I thought I wanted to be a preacher. Nobody had ever called it out of me. But she called out of me what God had put into me. I didn't know it. She was prophesying over me. And she was the first person to ever look and say to me, God's call is on you to preach. That was weird. And it was awesome. You see... People were used to seeing folks walk in with babies. That was ordinary. But people full of the Spirit can see God at work where everybody else just sees normal. Do you want to keep hope alive? Meet regularly with other waiters. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's a third thing you can do. You can put your hope to praise. That was the first response of Simeon and Anna. They just immediately began to praise God. Hope must be verbalized. It cannot just be eternalized. It must be sung. That's what was uh, in one of the most popular songs in the Bible. We call it Psalm 33. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. What is Israel doing? Israel, learn the importance of putting your hope to praise. Let me show you a picture. Most of you don't know this woman, but all of you have been blessed by her. Her name is Fanny Crosby. At the age of six months, a doctor made a mistake, and the result was she was blind for the rest of her life. And she wrote hundreds of hymns that some of us grew up singing. And so many of her hymns have lines that talk about vision, about seeing. And one of my favorites is Blessed Assurance. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Watching 
and waiting, looking above. And that grand lady was able to keep hope alive all through her hard life because she put her hope to praise. By the way, that's one of the things I love about Christmas music. I know some people don't like Christmas carols, but I'm going to challenge you. Some of the greatest theology ever put to music is in our Christmas music. Go back and look at it. Mild he lay his glory by. Born that man no more may die. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new glorious morn. There's a well-known guitarist in Nashville named Penn Pennington. He's in the hospital battling cancer. And his nurse, Alex, was perceptive enough to know that people need more than medicine for hope. So she brought Alex her guitar, and they decided they would sing a song together. And I want you to watch part of this video. life is hard and hope tanks leak if you're not intentional and so you meet with God's people you ask for the constant filling of his spirit and you put your hope to praise because praise helps us see what we're still waiting for and one more thing they teach us to remember what God is doing in Jesus See, few people would have noticed this little poor couple walking in with a baby. Happened all the time. Just ordinary, right? But I'm telling you, when hell and heaven saw that baby, the angels started rejoicing and the demons started trembling because they knew what was coming. Did you hear the words that Simeon prophesied? They were huge. He will be a light to the nations. Now, he's standing in the court of the Jews. Where the nations aren't even allowed to come. This old man is prophesying that this baby is going to change the world. This baby is going to reach the nations. This baby is going to bring into the kingdom of God the people that we've been excluding and leaving out of the kingdom of God. This baby is going to change everything. 
See, the great temptation of Christmas is to take the king and keep him a baby. But Simeon and Anna placed their hope in the promise of a coming Messiah who was going to make everything new. And he is. You want to keep hope alive? Just look around the world at what God has started in the ministry of Jesus Christ. How God has taken on racism and classism and sexism. In the days of Jesus, nobody thought those things were wrong. The idea that justice is for all is exclusively because Jesus came and taught us to look at people differently. He's changing the world. And ever since then, God has been making things new through Jesus and through His church by healing the sick and feeding the hungry and visiting the prisoner and welcoming the immigrant. And it's through Jesus that God is sending light to those living in the darkest of places. One way you keep hope alive is you look at what God has started by the first coming. And it helps you hang in there until the next. It's right here in this room at every campus. Story after story of someone who can say, Jesus' coming has made me new. I got an email just two weeks ago from a woman in our church. Eight years ago, she divorced her husband. Had no idea the damage it was going to do to her or to her daughter. In her own words, she had no relationship with God. Her daughter wanted to go to something called Beach Club which is something that happens after school in some public schools where people from our church go and talk about God to kids. She wanted to find out what that was about. She met someone who invited her to our church and told her about a ministry called Marriage Reconciliation. She began to go. Jesus began to do a work on her heart. He even began to do a work on her ex-husband's heart. In the years since, her mother, her father, her brother have accepted Christ as Lord. And just two weeks ago, her ex and she began to reconcile. And they're spending Christmas together as a family. And as great as that is, that is not an exceptional story. That story is happening All the time around us for those with the eyes of faith to see it. That's what Christmas is. It's an invitation to watch and wait. Is hope hard? Yes. Life teaches us hope is hard. But Christmas reminds us that hope is real. Maybe that's why so often in the birth narratives the angel will say, don't. Be afraid. What makes us afraid? Fear exists where the thing you've put your hope in is threatened. That was deep. I need to say it again. Fear exists in the place where the thing you've put your hope in 
is threatened. Listen to Simeon. Your servant can now die in peace. Because my eyes have seen your salvation. No fear. Simeon had seen a salvation that could never be threatened. And limited. It can't be limited by your past, by your sex, by your race. Not even by your age. I love that. And so, last week at the North Richmond Hills campus, I got to witness Dolly confessing Christ. Dolly's old and feeble and in a wheelchair. But she was determined to confess Jesus, so we were able to get her into a chair and lean her backwards. And it was a beautiful thing. And then the next day, last Sunday, at the West Fort Worth campus, I heard about Wanda making the same decision. Wanda and her husband watched that campus being built, and she told her husband, when they open it, we're going to be there. And she was there the first Sunday, and I preached, and I talked about confessing Christ and being baptized, and Wanda knew in her heart, that's what I need to do. So how cool is it? The very first baptism in our new West Fort Worth campus was an 80-year-old woman ready for some hope. You see, Christmas tells us you're never too young, you're never too old, you're never too bad, you're never too anything to find faith and a future in Jesus. And so here we are, waiting. It's not if we're going to wait, it's how. We're between the first coming. And the next. And Simeon and Anna would say. Keep your hope alive. God keeps his promises. Before I pray over you. I want to read this verse over you from Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And take heart. And wait for the Lord. Because Christmas reminds us, if God has made a promise, then it's not over till He speaks again. So let me pray for you. So Father, I know right now, people hearing this prayer are living in between. For some, it's so real right now. And they're in a hard season of waiting. In a sense, we're all there. In a sense, we're all in a world that's not the way it ought to be. With the promise that someday it will be. But waiting's hard, God. It's hard. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit to help us wait better? Would you put into our lives some crazy people that can speak truth to us? Would you put a song in our heart? And would you give us a fresh vision 
of what Jesus is doing so that we can hang on to what we know someday He's going to do. And we pray all of this because when He returns, we want to have been waiting well. We ask it for His glory. Amen.